Welcome, neighbors, to another episode of the Praise and Broship Podcast, where two deconstructed best friends deconstruct praise and worship music, as well as other forms of Christian and secular media. I am your co-host, Luke, and I am joined by my best friend and co-host, CJ. We are joining you from Florida and Louisiana, respectively. Uh, I am from Florida, and CJ is in Louisiana. Say hi, CJ. Hello. I forgot where we, we go. We made it. I forgot, where, I forgot where we go after that. So, Luke, before we get to the music segments of our episode, let's check in with each other in our first segment called How's Your Walk? Luke, how's your walk been? It's fine. It's, you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, it, nothing's really changed. I, I, it's okay. I it was Mondays are my days off and I was very productive today. So I feel good about today. That's progress. That's good. What about you? Everything on my end is good, man. Pretty normal standard week last week. Mother's Day was on Sunday. And so Tracy told me that all she wanted for Mother's Day this year was a day off where I just took care of the kiddo. She would just lie in bed, drink mimosas, and watch Harry Potter movies all day. And that's pretty much what she did. I think she watched two, maybe three Harry Potter films. And then she watched Pineapple Express. It was the credits were rolling whenever I got in bed last night. So she watched that as well. So she had a good Mother's Day. And uh, the kid and I, we also had a good Mother's Day just hanging out. Went out to the grocery store, ran a couple of errands, picked up breakfast for the family, and uh, it was a good good time. Otherwise, nothing really too crazy. Uh, I might sound a little different to you guys this week. I got a little bit of a sinus infection, so you might hear me sniffle or cough. I'll try to edit all that out, but if Luke makes me laugh, it's probably going to turn into a coughing fit, so... I did notice that as soon as we hit the record button, your voice got a lot clearer. I don't know if that's just you, you know, your performance mode kicking in or what. Yeah, yeah. It's probably just my trying to project my voice and sound somewhat professional, even though we are not professionals. I always wanted to be on the radio. So I guess when I get in front of a crowd, whether it's at a, at a gig or something, or when I press record uh, to record the podcast, I just hit a different stride. But that's our walk right now. Moving on to the next segment is our praise and worship song of the week. And this week it was Luke's turn to bring a praise and worship or a Christian song. So what did you bring for us this week, Luke? So this one, I feel like it's kind of in between a praise and worship and just a normal Christian song. There is definitely praise elements to it, mm -hmm. but it's not one that I would think would be sung in a church in like the worship music part of a service. Okay. Uh, so we'll get into it. Uh, the, the name of the song is Thankful by Cademan's Call. And I have a little a little mini game for you when we when we get there. Well, crap! I hope you don't see it when you look it up. I'm going to ask you what year you think this album came out, but you'll probably see it. Maybe not. Maybe not. I won't seek it out. How about that? Yeah. If you YouTube, if you like Google it and bring it up on YouTube, maybe you won't. Okay. 
This is from the album 40 Acres by Cademan's Call. And we are going to give this a listen real quick and join us back whenever you've taken a listen. We'll see you in a few. Well, we'll see you in a second. It'll be a few for us. Time is weird in podcasts. Yes. Welcome back, neighbors. Hopefully you just listened to Thankful Thankful by Cademan's Call. Before we get into it, I just wanted to say, in looking for a song, I knew I wanted to do a Cademan's Call song, and I started with this album. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, before I get into that even, uh, what did you see what year this album came out? Okay, so here's the thing. I didn't. I didn't. But, so the listeners, we're going to tell you what we did. He just, we listened to the very first track on the album, just the first few mm-hmm. seconds of it. Yep. So you could hear the difference in songwriting technique between because yeah, this is like a collaborative group, right? Like this group, right. Cademan's Call has a bunch of different artists. It, it has a, you know several of the same artists throughout, but different writers for each song and performers for the songs. So this yeah. this song, Thankful, is is by Derek Webb, and I feel like. That's it's this a, is a Derek Webb song, right? Right, right, through sure. and like, through. And yeah. I feel like Derek Webb, he's not a perfect Christian artist in terms of music or, or lyricism or anything, but he's pretty solid. You I sh- feel like you he shut has, your mouth. No, <laughs> I'm I, kidding. I feel I love, <laughs> I, I love Derek we'll Webb, but I feel like yeah. he has um, a kind of a timeless sound in a way. And as soon as we started playing that first track, I knew. This has to be late 90s. It sounded so much like Matchbox 20, dude. So That's why I'm gonna I wanted say, to contrast, yeah. I'm going to say it was like 98, 99, something like that. Pick one. You got to pick a year. Uh, 99. Yep, 99. Oh, nice. It had the, to be. In, just, in, the, in the year of the Matrix. The year of the Matrix. Isn't every year the Matrix year? I mean, we're living in a simulation, right? Yeah, probably. But yeah, so, you know, I listened when I was trying to find a song, I listened to the first song and it was familiar. I listened to this album a lot in college. And uh, and then when I got to the second song, I couldn't remember, you know, obviously it's been over a decade since I listened to any of these songs. But as soon as I heard the intro of Thankful, I was like, oh, this is a Derek Webb song. Right. Like, no doubt. And it, oh, man. I have issues with the lyrics, but I really, really like the music of this song. And and it's so funny because going back and listening to the – Thankful is the second track. Uh, and so going back to the first track, the the sound is so different. It's so all pop, sugar-coated. Right. It's just – it's kind of bland. It's not bad. But then you get into the Derek Webb song, Thankful, and it's folksy. It's kind of bluesy. It's got the harmonica, like it, and it builds, and then it drops out and builds back. I, even though I have problems with the lyrics, I still like the song. <laughs> I really like this song. I remember listening to this album a lot. Um, yeah, me too. Late high school, I I, did, I don't think I listened to this in '99 when it came out, which that's oh, the year sure I started high school was '99. So, um, but I, I feel like 2001, 2002, probably. I listened to this album a lot, and I just I love love Derek Webb. I've always preferred his songs over the other songs. Mm-hmm. And this Me too. this song says a lot. There's a lot of words. Yeah. It's kind of wordy. 
Uh, yeah, okay, great. I was about to cut you off before we got too deep into it, which this because uh, this leads us perfectly uh-huh. into uh, what's the word? What's the word? Okay, word counts. So these are okay. non-repeating words, right? Correct. Okay. And uh, to give you another hint, like "cause" and "because," I counted as the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay. And because he uses a lot of. Uh, you know, he kind of writes how he, I would assume, how he talks. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm, and I am. I took out all the, all the I'ms if there is, a, if there was an I am. Okay, I see. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I didn't, I didn't necessarily take out, I, I think I took out most of the contractions like that, but not all of them, depending on the context. So, if you're within five words, I'm going to count that as a, as a win. I am going to have a really hard time with this one. The pressure is, intense because your your uh, word count guesses in the first couple episodes have been really good really good guesses this one uh, it's deceptive that's another clue it's a little deceptive i know i know because it does repeat a lot and he he says because i'm just because i know because you know and and the song is for 24 minutes and 20 seconds long oh yeah okay okay I'm going to say this is 98 words. Uh, you are 21 words off. Really? It is 100. I counted 129 words. Oh, man. See, uh, I, I actually thought it was going to be a lot higher because of those first two verses. I There was very few not uh, non-repeating words in those first two verses. Mm. But then it just the rest of the song repeats itself a lot. I'm and listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna undershoot basically every praise and worship song word count. And this is not really a praise and worship song, but I'm gonna undercut those just because I, I feel like, and especially this song because it is deceptive. It feels like it's a lot longer than it is, and so I it's got didn't a lot more wanna, unique words than most praise and worship songs do. And I would yeah. argue. Aside from those first, so I said earlier that I wouldn't think that it, that you would sing this in a church, but if you kind of take out those first two verses, the rest of the song, absolutely I could see being sung in a church. Mm, yeah, I could see that. It's a lot of, of fun imagery in this song. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on in this song that that idea of you know going through an old box of letters, like that's the first line of the song and you're immediately think of yourself looking back and reminiscing on things and you know how he's he's going through the same old struggles looking back on his life they're plaguing me still again that that biblical imagery of plague that's really fun i know he meant to do that um yeah and it's just interesting that he's being vulnerable it's such a happy sounding song Mm -hmm. but he's being honest there How, how many people will admit that Stuff that was affecting them years, we don't know how many years ago, but things that were affecting them years ago are still affecting them. They're they're still working through those things. I, I really like the honesty there. Yeah. And and really, even uh, in the, the second verse where it says, because I know the road is long from the ground to the glory, that's a line that could be sung in a church. The only thing that I would say that keeps the second verse from being in it is, you know, but a boy can hope he's getting someplace. Absolutely. There are churches that are very patriarchal that could not care that a woman would have to sing this, but 
I wouldn't want to expect a female to sing that part as part of like worshiping God. But the road is long from the ground to glory, but a boy can hope he's getting someplace. It's like going back to those same old struggles. It's, you know, you're, you are conscious of those struggles. And even though you've been dealing with it for years, you're still trying to chip away at it. And even though, even if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, you're still going through it. So hopefully it's going somewhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's a really good, it's a really good, almost like a meditation. Mm. I think, I think this is interesting. Do you know when his song wedding dress came out? Was it after this? I would, I think so. I would, Early I would 2000. guess 2000, 2002, 2003. Okay. I just, that imagery of clothing and then the wedding dress, it's, it's kind of fun. Again, songwriters tend to, fixate on similar imagery through different periods in their songwriting. Uh, yeah, I no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, that wedding dress aspect. And then he's talking about clothes to Goodwill and then the clothes he's wearing, he's running away from and he's fit for the chase the way he's dressed. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that line. I think it's a really good couple of lines. I just don't know what he means, but you see, I'm running from the very clothes I'm wearing and dressed like this, I'm fit for the chase. I get the the that first part, running from the clothes I'm wearing, you know the the facade, the the ego, the mm. um, the the mask that you put on, so to speak. But then dressed like this, I'm fit for the chase. I'm not exactly sure what he means by that. Well, he's running away, and so the clothes he's wearing, or the the facade, the mask, whatever you want to call it. He's ready to run away from something that's going to pursue him, which, I, you know, in this case would be God pursuing, pursuing him and wanting to chase after him. That That's how I would read it. Well, see, I, I, I was just actually thinking, you know, from the very clothes I'm wearing. So he's wearing the clothes in this moment. So and then he goes to say and dress like this, meaning the very clothes he's wearing. He's fit for the chase. Mm hmm. So, I guess he's running and he's being chased, but he's running from the clothes he's wearing. I don't know. It's just, it is worded. I, I, it is worded strange. It's not. But I definitely think it's intentional. And I just again, it's like another meditation. I would need to mm, think on it mm -hmm. some more. So there is the the refrain I want to get into to to finish off the segment. But there is this line here that I did. Some Bible study that I have not, <laughs> I have not done any kind of Bible oh, okay. study. This is like, what you were telling me about uh, yesterday. Yeah, I have not done any like what Christians would call like official Bible study. I, mm -hmm. I've, I've listened to podcasts and read you know, and books and things like that that talk about the Bible. So you could consider that Bible study, but I haven't actually really read the Bible uh, until digging into this song. And uh, no, there is none righteous. No, not one who understands. There is none who seek God. No, no, not one. I said, no, not one. So this is kind of a paraphrase from Romans chapter one or two. Uh, the first few chapters of Romans are kind of all the same, like talking about the same thing. But it's also Paul quoting, there is no one righteous, no, not one. Paul is referencing Psalms. I want to say 14. Yep. And what's interesting about this to me at least, is that a handful of verses later, you know, in chapter 3, 23, 
is the is the second most quoted Bible verse of uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. And in modern Christianity, that is used to guilt people in to the modern definition of salvation. It is used to tell you that you are not perfect and you need to accept Jesus to be saved and go to heaven. However, until really digging into this, I had not really thought about this, but that's not what Paul's talking about at all. What Paul is talking about, and, and these first few chapters, and I actually am really interested in reading the rest of Romans, because it's kind of a roller coaster, because he is wordsmithing the heck out of this. Mm-hmm. He is posing opposing arguments to the Jews in, in Rome, and he's telling them, he, he's telling them that your history is wrought with sinful people. Your, your people have come out of failure. Your people have come out of, of sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting. So who are you to judge these people coming to the faith? Who, who are you to think that you're better and, and more worthy of God's love and forgiveness and grace than the people who are just now hearing about it? You don't have any right to, to proclaim any kind of superiority over them because all have fallen short of the glory of God. And I, and I really hope that any listeners and you even too, CJ, read those first three chapters. And it is, man, it's really intense because <laughs> it is all about who is righteous and unrighteous in the eyes of God. Right. Because all have fallen short. So it's not about accepting Jesus as your savior. It is about the, it's about stopping the judgment of others because you're not perfect either. Right. Yeah. He's ba- it's basically a wake up call. He's, yeah. he's almost angry in some uh, parts of Romans. Oh, yeah. Romans is very, it's like you said, it's very intense and there's a lot to unpack. You could spend uh, at least a year uh, worth of sermons just in Romans. And I know some churches have probably done that. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating book. And I agree with you. I think this is this kind of goes back to uh, Paul even talking about there is no distinction between mm-hmm. Jew or Gentile, male or female. We are all children of God and we're also all falling short of God. And, and so and I can't remember where that was. It's in a couple of different places, really. But yeah, he even talks about how. You know, these these people who are just coming to this idea uh, of Judaism or, you know, Judeo-Christian, like this reformed Judaism that becomes Christianity, they don't have the law, but they are still trying to do good. You have the law and you so you should actually be held to a higher standard, but that's not how God sees it. Uh, and he even I can't, should have made this note, but he basically says, even though they're they're not doing it in God's name, they are doing the will of God without knowing it. And that's just as valid as you doing it, knowing that it was right. what you know God wanted you to do. Right. And so this whole idea of you have to confess Jesus as your savior, I know this is blasphemous. I know this is heretical. <laughs> and it's just, it's not what the Bible actually says about salvation. Hmm. 
and I, and I want to know your thought about that. Am I way off base here? Or <laughs> I just, that's not what I see when I read not just a verse, but several chapters uh, of, you know, St. Paul. Right. I, you know, part of, part of this, you know, I reference there is, um, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Obviously, in the historical context, that's in Galatians. He's talking to the church at, at Galatia. But there's there's something to be said about justifications, the justification by faith, but also by works. Obviously, the Jews were hung up on faith by works. Yeah. Obedience to the law. Then you have yeah. the Gentiles who are... They, they were never given the law. The law was not given to them, and therefore, they don't have to follow that. They do it in their hearts without knowing that they do it. Their hearts have been circumcised, right? Not their penises. But Yeah, and that's talked about here, too. Right, yes. yeah. He, he references circumcision. And so, I think the important thing to take away for me is a unification, a unified front where we're all in this together, we can make this heaven or we can make this hell. Jesus's teachings are important and they're worthwhile to study and to talk about. And we also have to get to a point where we're no longer divided. There's no more schism. There's no more division. And, and I think someone would answer me by saying, well, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. And it's like, no, I'm talking about right now. We're not, we're pointing the finger and saying, you didn't get baptized in this particular way, or you didn't say this particular prayer. And and so you're not, your salvation is not legitimate. And that's an extreme example. But the fact of the matter is in the Bible belt, my friend, there are lots of people who believe that if you were baptized as a baby, you're not saved, right? Or there are people that think if you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues that you are not saved. There's all of this division. And why? Why? These verses are literally saying, cut that out. Stop. Yeah. Stop doing that. And I know we kind of got off topic and in the, in the, your question to me was specifically about salvation. My answer is, I don't know. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's And I'm okay with not knowing. Well, even here in uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So it's like they're they're in it, even though they don't know they don't they haven't read the scriptures they 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 don't know Jesus they're doing the right thing for humanity and therefore they are right there equal to the people who are trying to follow the law did you ever take a class with Dr. Heath oh yeah a couple so he so this was a professor at our college and he was just this really eccentric professor of religion yeah. and he posited the question to us one day, what about people who have never heard about Jesus? 
Yeah. Are they going I mean, to I, heaven I, or hell? I heard that before I even went to college. Yeah. That was a big topic of, of debate and when I was in high school. And I think there's something to be said about the goodness and and the the inherently good nature of people to fulfill yeah. the law without knowing the law. I'm pretty sure that's mentioned in these first few chapters of Romans too. Oh yeah. That exact thing. Right. And and to to be Christ like having never heard about Jesus Christ. Or because as we talked in a previous episode, Christ was there from the beginning. Right. Before Jesus, before the physical Jesus came, the historical Jesus came. And so those things were in the universe. Those ideas were in the universe and just because you hadn't heard of Jesus and accepted him as your savior does not mean that you are not doing the will of the quote unquote God. Yeah. It's something that, and I don't, I don't know if you've heard of this or if we studied this in college together or what, but there's special revelation and then there's general revelation, right? Special revelation being you, you know, God through supernatural means, right? It's special you know him yeah. because the Holy Spirit you you heard a the song. The clouds part or the burning bush. Right. Versus, you know, general revelation is more through natural means, whether it's you see a beautiful sunset, or think of think of it like uh early civilization, human civilization of seeing a, a great weather event like a hurricane or a tornado or lightning even and thinking that that was the gods communicating with with humans so special revelation and general revelation make it possible for people to achieve salvation to be saved if you want to get super sunday school with it yeah just if you want to use that language yeah just by experiencing anything it doesn't have to be the words of Jesus. It doesn't have to be missionaries going to their village and teaching them because to be fair, missionaries aren't they They haven't reached everyone. They're trying. I have no doubt about that in the evangelical uh, denominations, of course. But this ability to discover the divine through natural means, reasoning, your conscience, right? These are These are ways that you can... You can experience the divine and it does not have to be through Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. But <laughs> how is he working in nature, right? If he's if he's functionally yeah. active in nature, which Christians believe he is, then then his then he has reached other people, just not yeah, well, through a specific word. And I I, I need to look into the the language there of no one comes to the father except by me or is it through me or is it you know based on the original greek is it by you know comes to the father except by the way that i'm teaching or except through the yeah you know the experience that i'm showing you you know does, does the look language really does the language make a difference there mm, because mm. In the English, literally, except through me means, you know, what most Christians believe, saying a prayer to for forgiveness and accepting Jesus as your Savior, which that doesn't make any sense because we're already forgiven based on his sacrifice and whatever. You know, we're, we'll talk about this forever. But I, I think the language there in the original text 
might give some some light onto that. And I sh- I didn't think to look into that before this. But so to, to move on, to get back to the song, in the context of what we've been talking about, the refrain I kind of have issues with. And maybe there's a different way that I can interpret it so that it's not inherently problematic. Because what we were talking about that Paul was writing about, incapable of doing good on any good on my own. That's not really what Paul was writing about, but that's definitely implicitly what it seems like this song is saying. And so is it the the Christ, the Holy Spirit that, that moves us to do good, the, the laws and nature of the universe? Or are we to believe that it's literally God forcing us to do good? Because if, if he wasn't making us do good, then we would do bad. Right. And What's interesting about that is he's basically just quote he's just basically quoting Romans chapter three in those two you know in the little uh, pre-chorus and then in the refrain there there's there's none righteous right and then he says I'm incapable of doing good on my own that seems to me like it's later in chapter three when Paul says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, 323, I think. And I remember that because of Romans Road, right? That was how you, that was the road to salvation. And again, in context, I'm not sure that that's the gist of the text. And and he does go on to say in that next verse, obviously, we're all stillborn and dead in our transgressions. We're shackled up to the sin we hold so dear. I don't have a problem with that so much as... Yeah, I don't either. The, it's really the incapable of doing any right, good on my own. That's right. what I have a problem mm-hmm. with. And, and I've had pastors comment about this in the way that we're referred to sheep, right? Jesus is the shepherd and we are his sheep. And I've, ha- I've literally had pastors say, you know why we're referred to as sheep? Because we're stupid. You know, yeah, sheep are really dumb, and it's a little bit offensive. I feel like mm-hmm. to just call people stupid. There are plenty of intelligent people, including some of those pastors. I just think they get wrapped up in certain imagery and say things that that aren't that aren't true. But this aspect of being incapable of doing yeah. any any good. Again, yeah. Derek here is probably trying to fill syllables of doing any good versus doing good. Well, and he's also quoting the Bible, so I'll, I'll, I'll right, give him a, but, a slight a slight pass on oh, that. Man, but, the the incapable aspect, it just yeah. it's really just that word, incapable and any. Right, are the two words yeah, that's that I what's... really the only two words that I have because just to talk about altruism for a second. There are people and philosophers who have talked throughout history. It's like, oh, is there a such thing? I think Dr. Heath even talked about this. Is there such a thing as altruism? Because to do a good thing for someone else is kind of good for you, too, because, you know, you won't feel guilty because you didn't do the good thing or you feel comfort and good about yourself because you did a good thing. So people will say, oh, there's no such thing as altruism. And in my mind, who cares? Isn't it the best system that you get something good for yourself out of helping someone else? Isn't that the best possible system you can think right, of? Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't like that argument. It's like, oh, there's, you know, it's not, it's selfish to do good things for people because you get something out of it too. It's like, yeah, that's the, that's perfect. That's a perfect system. Right. <laughs> 
I could keep talking about this forever, but we never we never really hit uh, your opinions of the music portion of this song, which I personally love. I love that folksy. It's like folksy, kind of bluesy, but it's like an intense, fun folksy. It's not yeah. just... So, what, a, what were your thoughts on the music? It's a really interesting chord progression. It's it's pretty standard. It's it's really capoed. It's capoed on the fifth fret. I think if I did if I calculated that right, which he's got kind of a higher voice, which so would make I, it. I can see why. It's it's in the key of A, A major, and hmm. he he plays an A. He plays this G nine chord, which is so nasty sounding. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those chords that when you play it, you almost think you're not playing it right. Like this, this can't be right, yeah. but it is. And it sounds and so it, good. But, but but when it's played with the other chords around it, it, right. it feels right. Yeah. And he does the same thing. He he also plays a D9. And again, just kind of a nasty sounding chord with a, yeah. D, a D minor in there as well. Uh, it's really, it's, it's satisfying. And just picking around yeah. on it on my guitar, it was a ton of fun. I could see myself going back to that later and playing yeah. around on that. The, the music of it is really fun. It really is. I, I love that. And it, and, it, and it really does evoke a lot of visual imagery in those first couple of verses. <sighs> yeah, there's just a few words that I don't like about it because I don't think it's actually biblical, even though it is quoting the Bible. It's not in context for what Paul is talking about. But I still really like the song, and it's 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 a fun song, and it is quintessential Derek Webb. It's especially you know even for 1999, and he gets darker and he gets folksier. He, yeah, I, I like the song a lot. I uh, I would not be opposed to doing a deep dive on Derek Webb in the future. Oh, we will uh, for sure, for sure. I don't really have anything else to say about this song, CJ. Is there any other final thoughts that you would have? You know. Reading through the lyrics just a little bit, especially the refrains and stuff, it makes me feel like this is almost a defense of Calvinism. That I did forget that because that was a commentary that I read about this song. Uh, yeah, it, it does seem like it. It's it's very Calvinistic. Well, well, you have the total depravity aspect, right? With uh, there is no one righteous and. You're incapable of doing any good, right? That's total depravity. Yeah. Unconditional election. Um, what part can I play in the work of redemption? That could be unconditional election. In other words, you are um, you're already redeemed, kind of thing. Yeah. Limited atonement. Eh, that's probably not in here, honestly. What's the I? Irresistible grace. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that also goes hand in hand with what part can I play in the work of redemption and then perseverance of the saints. Uh, there might be something in there. So maybe it doesn't line up quite as much, but I did get that feeling of just total depravity that that really stood out to me uh, uh, in terms of Calvinistic, which this was late 90s. This was a resurgence of Calvinism. Was happening, hmm. especially. I didn't. I didn't know that. Especially in evangelical circles like the Baptist Church, where Calvinism has historically been more of a Presbyterian tenet of faith. The Baptists really started latching on to Calvinism. All that drama and stuff that happened at our college with the president and all that stuff—that was all yeah. Calvinistic stuff, uh, as well as uh, obviously some political other. Are we going to do a deep politics. dive on Joe Aguilar? <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say his name, but there it is. 
Hey, if you guys want to uh, watch a funny he's video. He's been in the news. If you guys yeah. want to watch a funny video, <laughs> there's a video of our former college president eating a worm during a chapel service. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about whenever he sang at chapel and his voice cracked. Oh, man, word, I need but... to look that up, too. <laughs> also, my voice has cracked a couple of times tonight, but um, I just leave it in. Sometimes I'll call myself out on it when it does that. So, y'all listen yeah. closely because it'll probably happen again before this episode is over. Um, so since this is my song, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it and cause we're going a little long on this and we still have one more song to get to and a couple other segments. Uh, I do want to leave this song on this one line, which I just had this, I thought whenever I read it again and CJ mentioned it. So what part can I play in the work of redemption? That can be interpreted a lot of ways, but in my mind, each person's walk is their own. Each person's journey is their own, hmm. and we're called to love our neighbors. So stop judging and condemning people. Just love them and leave, and, and then leave their own personal journey alone. Stay out of their business unless they're, they're hurting themselves or other people. Don't try to change someone because only their experiences are really going to change them. Otherwise, you're fear-mongering, you're guilting. Just love people. Stop trying to force them to do what you want them to do. And I, and that's my final thought. And I am not going to add anything to that because I thought that was perfectly said. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be back with a little game called Jesus or Jessica. Welcome back, neighbors. Each week, one of us brings a line or two from either a praise and worship song or a secular love song, and the other person has to guess if the songwriter is talking about Jesus or Jessica. So, Luke, I have a very short set of lyrics for you today. Tell me if these are Jesus or Jessica. Here we go. And I, I'm desperate for you. And I, I'm lost without you. Jesus. And you came out with Jesus really quick, Jesus, man. Jesus, Jesus. You know Jesus. the song? I, and I, always. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. I'm desperate for you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Do you know what the song is? Well, uh, but you know what I mean, the title and the artist. I'm lost without you. Um, no. I, it, it was every, when I was in high school, what this if, was really popular. If, this was uh, everywhere. I, I might I not be able to sing this very well. Chris Tomlin? I don't know. No, no, it's not Chris Tomlin. This is this sounds like it would be. This is uh, the air I uh, Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it could have been Chris Tomlin. I'm gonna this say Chris is Tomlin. the no, Michael uh, W. Smith. Michael W. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about the about the praise and worship leaders? It's it like Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh man, uh, <laughs> SCC man. <laughs> oh. They always had three names. Yep, that's funny. Oh, yeah, yes, I knew it. That was Jesus. Good job. You. That was the first one that you've really been confident on. Yeah. And I, I kind of struggled with it, but that was 
the only one that I could find just right off the bat that didn't say God or Jesus or a, Lord. If it was a a love song, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. Oh, I guess, you know, I can actually, now that I could see that in a romance song. There's some song, creepy love songs out there, But it is, man. but it, that's, that's like codependence. That's not a good sign. I, I mean, it's creepy <laughs> in this context too, but... <laughs> So, CJ, I have a surprise for you. Oh. I have a segment that I, I hope to continue. I probably won't do it every episode because I'm lazy. Oh. But we are going to do a new segment called Mine or Divine. <laughs> this is a segment where I quiz CJ if this is a real church sign or if it's something that I made up. Okay. Oh, my goodness. CJ, imagine... You're driving down the road, passing by a church, and you see us. You have a, you see one of those signs that have those very block uh-huh. letters written up on there. Uh-huh. I have my eyes closed, <laughs> just reading it in my mm-hmm. head. Tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. And, and no, I don't have a speech impediment. No, no, no shame if you do. But tweet others as you oh, would like to be tweeted. Oh my god. Now you love you know I love puns. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, see, this sounds like something that you would put on your Twitter, which is why I'm gonna say it's mine. No. This is a this is a real no church way, sign. Man. <laughs> uh, and I bet those people voted for Trump too. United Church in University Place. Pastor well, I'm not gonna say their name but yeah it is a methodist church tweet tweet others as you would like to be tweeted <laughs> you can't even say it without laughing <laughs> oh man okay so you're what four for four and Am i'm oh for one yeah yeah we'll try to keep these tallies going each week I, obviously luke is not going to do this every week because like you said he's lazy well and it's and, it's it's hard to think of a church sign. No, it's not. You just, uh, just do, because uh, I thought that was well, yours. So, it, it, okay, I could, I could do, I could make up a church sign that, but it's not necessarily going to be funny, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, anyway, that was a new segment. Hopefully, I will do that again, because that was fun. Oh, man. Welcome back, neighbors. Since this was my week for a praise and worship song, this is CJ's week for a secular song that means something to him. So, CJ, what is your song this week? The song I picked this week is Reckoning by Mount Moriah. Not heard of this band at all. Good. So, we're going to go ahead and listen to the song. Remember to check the episode description for a link to all of our songs this week. You can pause the podcast, give the song of the week a listen, and meet us back here in just a few. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everyone. You just listened to Reckoning 
by Mount Moriah. Luke, what did you think about this song overall? Uh, it is, wow. It, oof. It's, again, it's, it's intense, man. It, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also hopeful, uplifting. It, it's, it's got all of that. It's really, I have not heard a song like that. It's very folksy, like our first song. We didn't plan that. But uh, it, it tells a story, and it and it's you don't need a lot of a lot of words necessarily mm. to tell a really deep and interesting story. That was man, yeah, heart heartbreaking no. keeps mm. coming to mind because it, it really telling the story of you know somebody confronting their parent who disapproves of their lifestyle, and it's just saying like, I'm happy. Why can't you be happy? Yeah, for it, me? it's. Isn't that isn't that your job as a parent is to make sure that I'm safe and and happy? And you you said folksy, yeah. This is kind of Mount Moriah, at least on that album, which is their self titled debut album. It's kind of indie rock uh, with folk. They they start to venture into country more later on. And then also the lead singer songwriter, uh, Heather H.C. McIntyre. She goes by H.C. Yeah. McIntyre. She, her solo stuff is a lot more country oriented. And it's just fantastic because to see that representation from LGBT plus in country music is just something that you don't see very often. And, and so that's, that's always a great thing. This, uh, song, was, like I said, was on their f- debut record released in 2011. So it's it's a little older. It's not super recent. The The chord structure here is really simple. Wow, well, sorry, 2011. That's that's really interesting because that's well before the the legalization of same sex marriages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like at least five years before, right? I think. Yeah, I think uh, it was. Well, uh, about. Hmm. Uh, f- yeah, four, four or five years, something like yeah. that. That's... I think it was like Obama's later years in office when he when that passed hmm. through. But yeah, so yeah, it was still there was still a lot of stigma even then, even as late as 2011. Right, right. And her voice, you know. Hauntingly beautiful is something that comes to mind. When you listen to more of their songs, which I hope you do, I hope our listeners do, she sounds like a young Dolly Parton. Yeah. This song, this song is a little bit of an exception, but I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because she is so vulnerable in this song that she's singing softer. She almost has this mousy kind of sound in her voice where she's trying not to get emotional while singing more, it. And you can more you can, breathy, more you, and whispery. you can understand why she would yeah. be sitting in a recording booth singing this song and everyone staring at her. Mm-hmm. And this song that's just so important and for and very personal. And that's just the mark of a good songwriter where they can draw you in with their story that really doesn't apply to you in a direct way, but you can relate to it in some way. You can find those little bits that you can relate to. She grew up in a small, unincorporated, you know, village in North Carolina called Green Creek. 
She lived and worked on her family farm. She, uh, I'm not really sure when she realized she was gay, but apparently it was pretty early on. She wasn't out early on, but, but she knew she was gay from a pretty early age from what I've read. And when she went to college, she rebelled against her conservative Southern Baptist upbringing, her country music loving family. Why be loyal to a genre of music or a religion that's historically anti-gay, right? Yeah. And so because of that rebellion, she started a punk band and she got like really big into punk music when she was in college, formed a band called Bella Fia. Um, and they lasted for a few years and, and kind of went on a hiatus and there was never any, I don't think official breakup. You should check out some of their songs though. It's they're actually really pronounced cool. Balafia. Balafia. <laughs> Momar Balafia. Okay. Um, there was an independent art, uh, news article in 2018 uh, where she said, quote, I'm interested to see if there are other people. And I know there are who have had these similar trials when she's talking about being LGBT plus. She said, uh, I'd, it'd be powerful to empathize with those people. And as of that article, which is the most recent article I could find where she's being interviewed, her family still doesn't fully accept who she is. Right. I, I know there, I think there's been some, some ground that's been made up with that just based on some of her newer music, her solo stuff. But I still get the feeling that, that they don't fully accept who she is. And the lyrics are just so if your old good book says it, it's true. Mm -hmm. We talked about confirmation bias last week. Right. And this is the back of your knees locked to the seat of the pew. Yep. Just wow. being stubborn uh, that it just brings yeah. up imagery of uh, this is where I am and I'm not budging on this. If it feels this painful and pure, she's recognizing that it's painful, right? You're you, you would imagine if you told your parents that you were going to do something or that you were someone that they had not envisioned you to be, that it would be a painful situation for them, for you, whatever. But she also calls it pure. It's pure. And I really love that alliteration and that juxtaposition between those terms because we wouldn't probably normal normally put those two terms together, painful and pure. But it's so it's so powerful. She's she's a she's a well, really good lyricist. It, it just it, it brings to mind the 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 idea of a crucible where it's a lot of fire to melt. Uh, a material to bring out impurities and wow i regret saying that because i'm not saying that <laughs> it's impure to to be homosexual or or anything else it's a painful but process it's a painful process but it is it is something that becomes pure to become who you are right that is the most pure you can be is to have that enlightenment and become who you really are it's not okay to live your life according to someone else's rules because you're not being you you're you're being someone else's idea of what you should be right and this leads me to to ask you this question does god care about our happiness and by god uh, i okay. mean that was the my bible, next question <laughs> the bi the biblical 
personification of God. Does, does the God of the Bible care about our happiness? Hmm. Or is it only through the divine that we find true happiness or true joy or true fulfillment? So let me give you a story. Let me give you a story. Well, I just want to say my, my first thought was of Job. So I, I would say, no, the biblical God doesn't necessarily care because all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament and even a lot of the matriarchs of the Old Testament go through a lot of crap and don't necessarily get rewarded for it. I mean, they, they sometimes do in a, in a way. But so my immediate, immediate thought on the biblical God, if you read it literally, is no. But I, I want to hear what you wanted to say, the story that you were going to tell. So we went to a church about a year ago is the first time that I had gone to church in probably five or six years. And during the sermon, the pastor said something along the lines of God doesn't care about your happiness. And he was making that statement in reference to young people saying, but God would want me to be happy about, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And he says, God doesn't care about your happiness. And it really bothered me at first. It really, yeah. it, I was like, should I get up and walk out? But then I started thinking about passages in the Bible that talked about happiness, about being happy, about how to achieve happiness. And nearly every single one of them has something to do with God being the first and ultimate source of a believing person's happiness. God is love, right? So if you are if you are abiding in God, then you are abiding in love. And happiness for Christians is a byproduct of worshiping and delighting in God. Take delight in the Lord in Psalm chapter 37 and he will give you the desires of your heart. So he'll only give you the desires of your heart if you take delight in him. Or we were talking about Romans earlier, Romans chapter 8. We know that for those who love God, all things work for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Those are just two examples of dozens and dozens of examples of mm -hmm. being happy or being blessed by God. And I just, I don't know. I have a, uh, I have a lot of issues with the experience and the way that we experience the divine in, in so many different ways. And perhaps that's what leads us to happiness. And that can look uh, so many different ways. But this whole aspect of humans not being made for our own intrinsic happiness is a big reason why I deconstructed. This pastor saying this at this church, the first time I had been to church in five or six years, right? God doesn't care about your happiness. It was like a repressed memory. It was like something came back and said, that's why. That's why you deconstructed. And mm -hmm. I know that there were a lot of other smaller and maybe even bigger things and reasons why I deconstructed. And listeners, we are going to give our backstories. We're going to have episodes on that. And it's going to be a lot of fun, but also kind of serious as well. But think about going to someone's Facebook page and looking at their about me section. Mm -hmm. And they're a Christian. They always, I say always. Oftentimes it's ordered Christian, wife, mother, right? 
Christian is always first. It's so weird to me that their family is somehow okay with their list of accomplishments, including them, but not at the top. Mm-hmm. I do not love my wife or my son less than God. And you can say, oh, it's a different kind of love. Yeah, but you're prioritizing it. Well, but we're, we're called to love each other as we love God, according to Jesus. So it shouldn't be a list, right? Correct. It shouldn't be in a descending order. And again, come at me. You know, you could tell me that that's not the point of making those lists, but it's just awfully suspect that follower of Jesus, lover of Jesus, those that's always the first thing on a list in someone's about me section. And I don't know. I I have a problem with that. I did look into a little bit about young people leaving the church because suffice to say that Heather McIntyre, the the lead singer and songwriter of Mount Moriah, as far as I know, is not active in church, uh, at least not the Southern Baptist Church. According to American Enterprise Institute, three in 10, 30 percent of young adults raised in a religious tradition growing up say they no longer affiliate with one as an adult among seniors. So like baby boomers, only 11 percent of those raised in a religion are currently unaffiliated. So you're talking three times as many young adults today than, than baby boomers. I just find that interesting. I feel like it's the end time, CJ. Jesus (laughs) is coming. I just, I have so much to say about the happiness issue. And I think that there's, there's okay. In the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, who are merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted, reviled, all that. Those beatitudes. The Latin beatus means happy or blessed. You could you could say happy are those who are poor or blessed are those who are poor. Something along the lines of being fortunate or happy due to their circumstances. And that to me gets to the heart of happiness. The ability for a person to be content and be fulfilled in whatever circumstances, which is in the Bible as well. Even in the context of the, the, of the divine, our experiences should usher us toward happiness and contentment and blessedness and joy. We've spent our church life being told that happiness comes from God. And while there's certainly a biblical basis for that, the dualistic nature of happiness within communion with God and despair outside of that communion with God is why many people, including myself, have not reconstructed because I have to be able to find that happiness outside of the communion with God so that then when I come back to commune with the divine, there, there's a give and take. I'm happy. I'm a happier person. I'm more fulfilled as a person. And so I have more to offer, not just to the divine, but to other people. And so this song, I don't know why that was where I went with this song. <laughs> I told you before we recorded, or we were actually talking last night beforehand, and I 
thought that this was an important song to bring early on because I want our LGBT plus listeners to know that there are safe places for you. And hopefully there are churches who welcome you and who will open your arms to you. But there are others. There are so many foundations out there and organizations and groups that that want to reach out. If your family is not there for you, if your church is not there for you, there are other avenues. At the very least, we are. Right, right. And we're available to talk and you can always communicate with us and reach out to us. And if you want to share an experience and you're okay with us reading it on air, even if you want to stay anonymous, we won't mention names. We want to hear these types of experiences, not just from LGBT plus or anything, but it could be anybody who has this experience of realizing that the people that you felt like should have your back don't. And your your story from there and, and how you've maybe started to reconstruct or even if you haven't, what that looks like for you, because you're not alone. You're not alone. And we're going to tell our backstories soon, I promise, maybe in the next couple of episodes. But no one should tell you how to be happy. And no one should tell you what your happiness should hinge on. Or your experiences are invalid because it doesn't line up with their beliefs. Your experiences are valid because you experienced them. Right. And I wish that this episode wasn't so serious, you know. I feel like <laughs> I haven't laughed enough in this episode. I've made you laugh a few times. You uh, did. You gave me some coughing so fits. One, one thing I wanted to say, having thought about it and talking about it a little bit, you asked me if I thought the, the God of the Bible cared about our happiness. And, and to me... I I don't really care about happiness because happiness is fleeting. It is it's vapor, as Ecclesiastes talks about. Mm. What I find more satisfying is a word you used a few times: fulfillment. Uh, fulfillment in whether it's having gone through something difficult and come out the other side, which kind of validates my experience that I'm still here. Mm. Or creating something artistically, you know, and having evidence of of that creation, or experiences with other people, or, or or moments where I forget that I am a human on Earth, flying through space and aging and, and decaying, yeah. <laughs> uh, that I am in the moment, hypnotized by whatever it is I'm, I'm doing in the moment, or just a great conversation or playing a game with friends, those things mean something and are fulfilling. It's the moments where I feel like I should be doing something. It's anxiety. It's like the opposite of, of fulfillment to me is anxiety. Mm. So yeah, I don't, and that whole idea of fulfillment and, and being in God, God's image and creating and, 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 and existing with other people that, is what I think Jesus talks about when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, because he always says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's now. So, yeah, it, it, it's about embodying our conscious experience in this world, because that's all we have and accepting that and living in it. And when somebody tries to say, oh, your your trauma is not important, it's not valid or 
your happiness doesn't matter because you should be in service to something else. I just, I don't care about that. That's not right. That's not fulfilling to me. Live like what the song talks about is breaking free of someone else's rules and, and being yourself. And I still struggle with figuring out and, and being who I am. And it's those moments where I'm lost in communion with other people or lost in my creative endeavors where I feel most like myself. And so, yeah, just find those things that, that bring you that fulfillment, that, that force your body to do the things that are significant to you. And that's where you will find fulfillment and ultimately happiness because you know, happiness isn't, you can't be happy all the time. So, but you right. can find joy and experiences, even if they're bad you, and you make it through the other side of them. <sighs> yeah. I, I'm rambling. It's, it's. So I, I want to mention, I forgot to make a note about this, but I was thinking about their name, the band name, Mount Moriah uh, earlier today. And do you know Mount Moriah? Are you familiar with that at all? It sounds like it's in the Bible. Yeah, it is. So Mount Moriah was, first of all, where Abraham took Isaac to be sacrificed. Oh, man. I could talk about okay. this for a while. And then they, they uh, ended up just cutting off part of their penises. I think I've said that uh, multiple times this episode. Anyway. I don't think you have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said <laughs> something about circumcision of the heart. Oh, circumcision, uh, yeah, yeah, but you didn't say cutting off part of their penises. That's very different. Well, it's and, the same thing, but it sounds different. So, anyway, so that was where – that was the binding of Isaac was on Mount Moriah. So, Moriah is a region in the old city of Jerusalem, and uh, that's the site where David built the temple. And then it was raised to the ground. And then King Solomon, David's son, built another temple. And then that was destroyed by the Romans a few years after Christ. And now the it's actually a territory that's controlled by a Muslim faction. And that's where the Dome of the Rock is, which is a uh, uh, an Islamic temple. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting. And I, again, I don't know that this is why they chose the name. If or if it was just some biblical thing, because they do, she does talk a lot about religion and God and her upbringing and being conservative, you know, raised in a conservative environment. But think of it as that deconstruction, in this case, more like a raid and a demolition than anything else. But it's like a literal deconstruction. This is where this is where the covenant that uh, with God and Abraham's descendants began. And then this is where King David built the temple and the, and the temple was destroyed and, and Solomon built another temple and that was destroyed. And now it's in a different uh, faction's hands. And there, you know, you can talk about the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims and who has the right to that area. It doesn't matter. I don't care. It's not but, that kind of podcast. <laughs> right. But the point being, it's almost symbolic of that aspect of being on the mountaintop with God and receiving that covenant and then just being completely leveled over and over again until now you don't even have the rights to claim that area. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a fun little parallel, I think, to, to a, a faith walk 
And I just wanted to bring that up. But that's all I have to say about the song. I could talk about this band and that song forever. I just love that band. I really hope you guys will check out more of their music. Check out Cademan's Call 2. Just skip all of the songs that aren't Derek Webb songs. (laughs) You're welcome. Before we head out and end this episode, just wanted to remind everyone, if you want to get in touch with us, leave us comments, questions, you can leave some stories, some feedback on the podcast. You can email us at praiseandbroshippodcast at gmail.com. That's praiseandbroshippodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from all of you. And with that, we're going to leave you guys. We will see and love on y'all next week. And remember to love your neighbor as yourself. Bye, guys. Bye. Jesus or Jessica. Dude, I shit my ass out earlier. I was talking about I'm farting while I'm and I'm while I'm farting. And it was actually a pretty good song. Should have recorded it.